0: This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Athletics, Kevin Adams, Ball State Athletics, Paul Havocott. And We're going to be joined by another panelist here in a few minutes, uh, Director of Operations for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, Scott Crawford. will be here. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a 15-year Major League Baseball third baseman, played with the Orioles, Angels, Cardinals. He's a Silver Slugger winner. He's finished third for MVP. And check this defensive stats out. 35th all-time in assists at third base. 13th all-time in range factor. He's in the Orioles Hall of Fame, elected in 2006. So we got MLB All-Star Doug DeSensei. Doug, thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It's a pleasure.
0: It's going to be a good time tonight. Tonight's debate is the top five third basemen of the last 40 years. And uh, we're going to start tonight out. Well, after our debate, we'll have our Q&A, of course, with Doug. But we're going to start tonight out with George Brett.
2: Okay, I got George. He's a Hall of Fame inductee in 99. And, and this usually guarantees you a spot in the top with Legacy Battle. But he played his entire career with one team, the Royals, 73 to 93, 20 years even. He's got a great lifetime batting average, 305 over 3,000 hits or 300 home runs. Over 1,500 RBIs. George was a 13-time All-Star, World Series champ in 85, AL MVP in 80, ALCS MVP in 85. He had a Gold Glove Award in 85 as well. Three-time Silver Slugger Award, three-time batting champion for the American League. And uh, Kansas City, of course, retired his number. But what I think, and I can't wait to get Doug's thoughts on this, when I think of George Brett, I can't help but think of 1983 when uh, the Yankees, I think, challenged. He had some uh, pine tar. For the uninitiated, he had some pine tar that went up, uh, I guess, further than what, like 18 inches from the knob. And so uh, Tim McClellan ended up signaling George Brett out of the game, and he flipped his lid Well, YouTube it if you get a chance. If you want to know what a bad day at work looks like, watch George Brett in 83. And so I think the Royals ended up protesting that game, which ended up being upheld by the American League president uh, as it stood. Um, I think he said the bat should have been excluded from future use and the home run should not have been uh, nullified. But uh, the game resumed. August eighteenth, nineteen eighty-three, from the point of Brett's home run, and ended with a Royals win anyway. So happy ending there, but I'll see what Doug thinks about that pine tar and that little Yankee, you know, uh, conspiracy going on there. But that's George Brett. So, go ahead, Doug Brett.
1: Okay, about that incident first. um, You know, that's that was a Billy Martin move. You know, he was waiting for the time when you know George was one of the top competitors in the game during his career. I mean, he was a gamer, and he played to win. And I think that Billy had noticed it beforehand and was just sitting there waiting for that opportunity. And sure enough, it happened. uh, And There is a rule. Um, Did that affect that ball coming off the bat? Absolutely not. Was it above the 18 inches yes was it in the center of the uh, barrel of the bat absolutely not so my view my view with that was uh, uh, you know that was a crazy moment in baseball and if I was George I might have done the same thing <laughs> okay and but but more importantly um, just to talk about George Brett as a player um, this guy played the game hard every day that I ever played against him. And he was a very tough competitor. Um, uh, he did the little things that helped the team win. And he also stepped up when the time was needed to do the big things. I mean, to be able to have 3,000 hits and over 300 uh, home runs uh, shows you the quality of competitor that he was. How I, always hard, had, I always had great admiration playing against him.
0: How hard do you think that switch was? From, he played first base in his later years. I mean, how hard do you think that switch is?
1: I don't think that switch is overly difficult for somebody that's played in the infield the whole time. Uh, what it does is saves, you know, you don't have to worry about your range factor. You don't have to worry about too many throws. Um, You know, it's somewhat easy. You know, when I came up, I don't want to say it's easy, but to just transition over, it's a lot easier than being a first baseman trying to transition to the ball coming to you at third and then be able to catch it, stand up and make a perfect throw. So very dynamic differences. Uh, His biggest concern he had was throwing the
3: ball to second base.
0: Okay, let's move on to another
3: Hall of Famer, Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs, he didn't actually get into MLB until he was 24 years old. Uh, He spent 18 seasons, mainly played for the Red Sox. He also played for the Yankees and the Rays. Well, it was the Devil Rays when he was there. Um, He was the 23rd player to reach 3,000 hits. Uh, In the 80s and 90s, he was pretty much in contention for the batting title, pretty much both decades. <laughs> he was uh, elected into the Red Sox Hall of Fame in 2004 and into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2005. In 97, he was ranked ninth on sporting news list for 100 Greatest Baseball Players. He finished his career batting 328, three twenty-eight over 3,000 hits. He had 3,010, over 1,000 RBIs, 12-time All-Star, uh, making him the third consecutive, um, third consecutive appearances as a third baseman, uh, one World Series title, two Gold Glove awards, eight Silver Slugger awards, five-time AL batting champion. This dude definitely has the bat. Uh, his number is retired on two teams, Boston and Tampa. First ballot Hall of Famer. He's the first player to, to make his 3,000th hit as a home run, uh, which is pretty impressive. He is one of only five players to win four straight batting titles. Uh, he also hit over 350 in four straight seasons. Uh, Him and Tony Gwynn are the only two to do that since 1931. Uh, Tommy John had actually noted that Boggs always seemed to know what next pitch was going to be. For pure hitting, Boggs is the best I've ever seen. John wrote in 1991. Uh, He's a phenomenon, a pure hitting machine. I've never seen anything like him. He lit me up. Wade Boggs definitely has the offensive power. He got the Gold Glove Award a couple times. He has good argument.
0: I believe he hit the first home run in Tampa Bay history too, if I'm recalling correctly. I believe so. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, how many
1: career, how many career home runs did he have? Yeah, at
0: 118.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, Doug, that was actually going to be my question for you with Wade Boggs. Was I'm uh, looking at our list tonight. He's really the only player who wasn't a power hitter. I mean, there were guys that hit for power and average, but Boggs was mainly for the average and the hits. Um, you know, so. Could he have been a guy if he wanted to that hit more home runs?
1: Yes, I believe he could. He was a he was a pure hitter, um, and probably the best two strike hitter I ever played against. I mean, as a two strike uh, hitter, he was you know he he, uh, he controlled his bat extremely well. Um, he wasn't what I would classify a great RBI man by any means. Matter of fact, when you know playing against him, our rule was if there's a guy in scoring position, you throw the fastball down the middle because he's going to take it. And he usually would take maybe sometimes two pitches, but with two strikes, phenomenal hitter. Just a phenomenal hitter. And when I guess you have that kind of confidence, you can take those pitches, but um, my my belief as a third baseman is that you know you're there, and you're there to be a power player, uh, just like you know if uh, like if you want to bring up Rod Carew as a first baseman, Rod was never, and he was my teammate, and he was you know ranked higher as a second baseman, but when he went to first base. He was just considered a great hitter um, because he wasn't an RBI guy. He wasn't, wasn't a power hitter and sometimes didn't necessarily make the difference in the game. I thought Wade was, again, I'm not taking it, am pure, pure, pure hitter and well deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Defensively, when he was younger, I, he had, in my view, he didn't have a lot of range. He didn't have a lot of range at third base uh, versus uh, probably some of the others. But in the same token, he had good hands and, you know, he didn't make a lot of errors.
0: Well, let's go to Scott Rowland.
4: All right. Scott Rowland. So he, he had seven seasons with the Phillies, six with the Cards, two with the Blue Jays and four with the Reds. Uh, the thing that jumps out to me about Rowan right away was his high-quality fielding. I mean, he won the the Gold Glove Award eight times, including a stretch of five consecutive uh, from 2000 to 2004. Rowan was successful right from the start. Uh, he was the NL Rookie of the Year in 1997 on the strength of his 283 batting average, 92 RBIs, and 21 homers. This started a streak of eight seasons with at least a 266 batting average, 77 RBIs, and 21 homers. Uh, Rowan made the all-star team seven times, once as a Philly, four times as a Cardinal, two times as a Red, at ages 35 and 36. Uh, he also had some big moments in the postseason uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. In 2004, NLCS against Houston, game two, he homered in the fifth and the eighth to get the win. And in Game 7, in the 6th inning, he hit a two-run jack off of Roger Clemens to put the Cardinals up for good and win the series. Uh, we may see Rowan in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown very soon because 2008, he got 10% of the vote. Uh, I'm sorry, 2018. 2019, 17%. 2020, it jumped up to 35 2021, 52 And then now this past year, he, he got 63% of the vote. So that's only 12 percent less than that threshold of 75 that you need to get in. So definitely a deserving guy to be on this list tonight.
0: I, I think he gets in. He's I good. think so. Yeah. Go ahead,
1: okay. Uh, Scott Rowland was, uh, you know, a complete third baseman. His defense, his range was incredible. Uh, had the knock uh, Had the real knack for key home runs. He wasn't what I would say, you know, the ultimate power guy at third base, but he was definitely a middle of the lineup hitter. And you, you know, he probably saved as much with his glove for his pitching staff and made a real dynamic difference uh, for the team that he played on. He always looked like he played hard to me. I didn't never was a teammate with him, but I respected and admired how he played. Um, the only question that I always had is, why was it that he played for so many teams? You know, when you have those kind of abilities that he had, I was I was just always concerned about that. How many teams did he played for? Five. Um, four. 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 Yeah, four, four. different teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't know where any of them free agent moves.
4: Uh, I think the one with uh, the Blue Jays was, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay. Later in his career.
4: Right, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And I, no, I, I, I have, and, and I too think that, you know, how many total home runs did he have? I'm sorry.
4: Um, I think he had like around 250 or something in that ballpark, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, he, he's not reaching above George Brett in that category. He wasn't reaching above George Brett or um, in the RBI category, but defensively and all around, he you know he just was a, to me like a true gamer. If we're ranking, if we're a, ranking these guys,
2: he's got over three hundred home runs. I thought oh, yes, he got three hundred sixteen. Yeah, yeah he got three hundred sixteen yeah. home runs. Oh, okay. Runs I'm showing, okay. So. All right. Yeah. He's yeah, pretty powerful.
1: I correct my yeah. I correct myself. He's got That's over 300. It's not your fault. Home it's, home. You
2: got bad information from Brian. That's what you <laughs> yeah, said. I did.
1: Yeah, <laughs> misleading.
4: That,
0: uh, yeah. No, that
4: was, he, I think
2: you tried to trust win. him. In.
4: I was <laughs> estimating. I was <laughs> estimating. Come on. Now. So, 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 so
0: just, just something positive before we move on on Roland. Um, you said he played for a lot of different teams, uh, which he did twice. He was traded to contenders, but. Um, with the Reds, Joey Botto and Jay Bruce both give um, Scott Rowland credit for being a leader in the clubhouse and kind of showing them how their career should go. So, I think he was a good clubhouse guy uh, from from what I've heard. So,
1: well, maybe you know, maybe he got traded. If you just told me he, he got traded because of um, uh, you know trading to contenders at the end of the you know this mid season or something like that. Then you know that answers it because then he didn't make any real major moves. Um, uh, I just always heard really good things about him. I don't know him; I've never met him, and I just admired how he played because I thought he was a gamer.
0: Well, let's move on to Adrian Beltre. Okay. Sure.
5: All right, sorry guys, we're being a few minutes late. There, no problem. Uh, Beltre obviously, just retired a couple of years ago. Um, four-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove, two-time Platinum Glove, which means he could really play, uh, defense. Um, I think he had the highest D war of anyone in here at 27. Um, he had 477 home runs. He had, uh, he played 21 years at 30, almost 3,200 hits. Uh, and his war was 93 and a half. Um, and he played... He, he played consistently, averaged 140 games a year during his 21 years. So, to me, that tells you, that, you know, he was an everyday player for two decades, and which is which is really impressive. Especially, you know, a lot of players didn't play every day um, as they did back a few decades ago. Um, so, I think he's and he's got the Silver Slugger. He's got he played just under 3,000 games, um, 286 hitter. So. He to me as you know his defense was top notch and he had he was good with power with anyone and um and, and his longevity.
1: Hall of Fame guy.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So with with him, he's got three thousand hits. I mean that's pretty much a short in him the Hall of Fame, Doug. Uh you know, what are your what are your thoughts on uh Adrian? How many home runs? Over four hundred, I know that four hundred
1: and seventy seven. There you go. Yeah, that's a lot over 400, by the way.
2: <laughs> Boy. Yeah, they're just okay.
1: you.
2: <laughs> Brian would have said he, he had like over 200. Yeah. <laughs> Check,
1: yeah. <laughs> he had a few. Well, okay. a- Adrian um uh, was you know, the, the heart of the center of a lineup for any team that he was there. I mean, when he went to Texas, he just – he made that team a completely different team. His defense, his uh, all-around uh, ability to be out there and lead, playing every day, um, you know, his offensive uh Categories were something that every team would like to just have a guy like that sit in the center of your lineup, and then you'd fill in around him. Fabulous, fabulous ball player. Um, uh, uh, I, I know when he was young, he came up, he was thin, and he ended up being a very large man. And, you know, showed power, showed all that stuff. And from everything that I understand about him, again, I never played with him and it was, I was retired and, uh, moved on. But, uh, uh, those who were teammates with him had the utmost respect and those people that I talked to, I have respect for. So, um, you know, true gamer, true gamer. Uh, I mean, he wasn't short in any category as a third baseman.
0: Well, now it's time for our only player who's still playing, and that's Manny Machado.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still playing, and I know Mike's going to try and block him because he's too young, but uh,
0: oh.
2: he's only 30 him. years old. He's out of Hialeah, Florida, which is, God, it's one of the most fascinating places in the world, to be honest with you. But uh, he's got three teams under his belt already. He's still playing with the Padres, but he's with the Dodgers for a year in 18. He was with the Orioles from 2012 to 2018. His stats, when I, when I did this research – I mean, they're already impressive. He's a six-time All-Star, was batting 282, had over 1,500 hits already, 265 home runs already, over 800 RBIs, uh, two-time Gold Glove Award, has a Platinum Glove and the Silver Slugger Award. It's like I was talking about with George. What I think of Manny, I think of a giant sum of money, (laughs) a giant contract. (laughs) In 2013, that was kind of his breakout year. He led the league in doubles. Was an all-star. Got his Gold Glove. People were starting to talk about him with, like, in line with like Brooks, Brooks Robinson and stuff like that. But um, when he went to the Dodgers and he helped the team reach the World Series later on in '18, that off-season, that's all we ever heard about was how much money, how much money, how much money. And I think he got 300 mil for 10 years. And maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't A-Rod like before that probably the largest contract he might have gotten like 270 or 275 back in when he was traded, but uh, that's what I think of Manny. But listen, he's only 30. He's got six, seven more good years maybe. I think he's going to get over 2,500 hits, maybe past 500 home runs. Manny's pretty good.
0: I already has the MVP on his belt. So, Doug, the players usually slow down after 30 back in the day, but not so much anymore. I mean, what do you think Manny can do here for the rest of his career?
1: Well, first of all, let me correct you. I don't think players back in the day slowed down at thirty. I would say, yeah. I would say, you know, you reach that thirty-five number, then things start to change, and you better be making adjustments. But any any player today, uh, or even back, if you hit thirty, that didn't mess, If you took care of yourself, and uh, you know that I, I, I didn't feel like I lost a step at all until maybe I was 36 and seven. And um, I certainly didn't lose anything on my arm or my power until later. But um, uh, I think Manny Machado, you know, still one of the great players uh, of today's game. His talent is immense. His uh, ability to hit the ball, um, to, you know, not just pull it, but hit it for power all over the place um, is, is tremendous. Uh, I think he is, you know, a future hall of famer, providing he stays healthy. And, you know, when he was young with the Orioles, uh, he, he, uh, you know, he missed a couple of years with injuries and things. So I think it was his, both his knees. And so you wonder about that aspect later in his career. Um, whether that bounces back and and bites him and holds him back from those upper echelon numbers that he is certainly on that scale to reach. Another player, a modern-day player that you put in the middle of your lineup, every team would love to have a Manny Machado playing third base in the middle of their lineup. I mean, he is that good. And his upside is... um, Uh, yeah, is all what he can do. I mean, he's just going to keep going and going. I only saw the one negative that I've watched about him at times is his lack of hustle, which probably loses a tremendous amount of respect in the clubhouse at times. I'm almost positive it would, at least if I was on that team. Um, uh, and I'm always very, very careful who says who's going to be the next Brooks Robinson.
0: So let's go to, uh, go to my well, a man who made our top five Atlanta Braves show when we had Otis Nixon on, and that's going to be third
3: baseman Chipper Jones. Yeah. Chipper Jones played for the Braves almost 19 years. <laughs> um, first overall pick in the 1990 uh, draft. He was a member of the 95 World Series winning team. He's an eight-time All-Star. He won the 99 NL MVP and 99-2000 Silver Slug Award for a third baseman. He was the MLB batting champion in 2008. He batted 364 that season. Uh, he was a switch hitter and ranked second for uh, switch hitter in career, career RBIs. And he's the only switch hitter in MLB history with a career batting average of at least 300 and 400 or more home runs. He was inducted into the Braves Hall of Fame in 2013. Um, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame as a first-year ballot uh, in 2018 with over 97% of the votes. Jones ended his career in 2012 uh, with a 303 batting average, 468 home runs, over 2,700 hits, and over 1,600 RBIs. He has the most career RBIs for a third baseman. Uh, again, his eight all-star appearances, one World Series, one NL MVP, two server slugger awards, MLB batting champion. A Bleacher Report had listed him as the number three best third baseman of all time, and ESPN ranked him as number four. He has the ability as a power hitter, a hitter for average, and the ability in the field, making him one of the best well-rounded players in the history of baseball.
0: Doug, your thoughts on Chipper? I know he had knee problems in his career, uh, and they moved him to the outfield there for a little bit. Uh, So what are your thoughts on Chipper?
1: Uh, I didn't, you know, again, I never played against him and whatever my only qualifications are, his numbers clearly speak for himself. (laughs) I mean, a consummate pro. Uh, I I never saw him when I was watching the game. I never saw him take a a bat off or anything like that. He was, uh, you know, the steadfast number three hitter in that lineup day in and day out and delivered. Um, defensively, he had, he had all the aspects. Again, another—you know—the list of these third basements are guys. Most of these guys are, are guys that you would want on your team in the middle of the lineup that you can build around because they're all guys that can make a difference in the game every single time he goes up to home plate, every time a ground ball's hit in the hole or down the line. Just an overall great player. Very impressed, you know. And and to play 19 years with the same organization, you know, is extremely impressive. Just doesn't happen much anymore because either they're making too much money late in their career and organizations go, okay, we, you know, time to move on.
0: Let's move on to Darrell Evans.
4: Darrell Evans. All right, well. Darrell Evans had a very interesting career. Uh, he played for three different teams, Atlanta from 69 to 76 and 89, San Francisco from 76 to 83, and then Detroit to, from 84 to 88. And he accomplished something unique with each team. Uh, with Atlanta, he combined with Hank Aaron and Davey Johnson to become the first trio from the same club to each top 40 home runs in a single season. Uh, with San Francisco, he became the oldest Giants player to hit 30 home runs, Well, until some guy named Bonds came along. Um, And then with Detroit, at age 38, Doug was just talking about, you know, still doing it at, you know, an older age. At age 38, he became the oldest player to lead the majors in home runs. Uh, He made the all-star team in both the NL and the AL. He became the first player to ever hit 40 home runs in both leagues. Um, And he was only the second player to have 100 home runs with three different teams. In 1984, he joined the Tigers, and he became the final piece in their uh, championship puzzle. Um, And renowned baseball historian Bill James called Evans the most underrated player in baseball history. When Evans retired, he had the eighth most walks in history. Uh, He had in over 400 home runs in his career and some solid fielding, and you have one of the better third basemen of the past few decades.
0: So, Doug, should he be in the Hall of Fame, in your
1: opinion? Anybody hits over 400, uh, 400 home runs has got yeah, got to have that look, okay, uh, in, in my view. Um, uh, Darrell was a first baseman when I played against him most of the time, so I never really saw him play third base, so... Uh, I can't comment on that. I don't know if he falls into the same category as some of these guys. Um, he certainly does as a power hitter, no doubt, as a power hitter. Um, I mean, his time when he went to Detroit was all at first place. And, um, uh, and his ability to hit at home plate and and be disciplined probably you know extremely disciplined hitter i I, you know, I don't know how many strikeouts he had but i know he took a lot of pitches and was and very rarely swung at bad pitches and i was always impressed about that and clearly he would get his pitch and if he got his pitch he could he could loft that ball to right field as well as anybody that i that i played against how many strikeouts did he did he have a lot
2: uh,
0: Strikeouts, I got him with one thousand four hundred and
4: ten. Mm. So, what is that uh, average? What is that, that average? Yeah, that was when he played like twenty seasons. So that's not. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's not. That's not bad. Twenty seasons. Yeah, that's not As terrible. I said, though, he never chased bad pitches. Very rarely would he chase a bad pitch. Yeah, I mean yeah. to
4: walk that many times. That that yeah. tells you he had the plate discipline.
1: Oh, mm. superb. Played disapp- superb he- with power, which is usually a rare combination. Right, if, I mean, yeah. you know, you got on. power. Sometimes you're a little bit more of a free swing.
0: He played over fourteen hundred games at first at, at third base, so quite a, quite a few.
1: Yeah, it had to be young in his career, and I never really saw.
0: Him. Yeah, right. Well, move I just
1: oh. never, I never looked at him as a top defensive third baseman, but clearly a top hitter and clearly you don't spend 20 years in the big leagues because you know, you're know, you doing something wrong. <laughs> right, right. And you know what? Just, a, you know, and a great person. Really great person. Darrell Evans is a great person.
0: And we're going to finish tonight with, might be the greatest third baseman of all time. I mean, we don't rank them. We just pick the top five, but let's go Mike Schmidt.
5: Yeah. I mean, uh like you just said, maybe best ever Hall of Famer, three MVPs, played eighteen years. He won ten Gold Gloves in those eighteen years. Uh, we talked a lot of homers this year. Today he had five hundred and forty-eight career home runs. He's MVP in the eighty World Series when they won. Uh, his WAR was over a hundred. His OPS was one hundred and forty-eight. Uh, you know he's a nine hundred and eight OPS. Six Silver Sluggers. A twelve-time All-Star. I mean, like. Mike Schmidt was, you know, like I just said,
2: pretty darn good. I think, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say,
1: I would say, you know, that's why I, I commented earlier. I thought we were only doing six of them, but then, you know, and I said, where the heck's Mike Schmidt? Because, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know where he ranks as the top third baseman in baseball, but mm, got to be up there number one for me. Great defensive player. Great RBI guy uh, in the middle of your lineup and uh, his home run power was something that you just had to be careful if you were an opposing pitcher. Just so I mean one okay. of one of one of the best.
0: So our shout outs tonight to the players that just missed the list. We got Evan Longoria, Chris Bryant, Gary Gaetti, Tim Wallach, and of course can't God, can't leave out Doug here. He just missed our list tonight, too. So let's uh, move, move into our vote. And, uh, Paul, you're in my upper corner.
2: Guys, you cannot pick your own. Yeah, I'll just take the easy one. I'm taking Schmidt. Okay.
4: Brian? I think uh, Wade Boggs, I mean, one of, one of the best, maybe maybe the best pure hitter ever. I mean, one of the,
3: up there, up there in the top five, probably for sure. Kevin? I'm um, going to have to go with George Brett. Scott.
5: Well, since I can't pick my own, I have to go with Boggs. Oh, Boggs is already on there. Oh, I got it, that's right. Um, <laughs> Roland, Scott rolling.
0: Okay. So Doug, we come to you, that leaves you Adrian, Belt, Trey, Chipper Jones, Manny Machado, or Darrell Evans.
1: I'm there, I'd have to go with uh, Chipper Jones.
0: Chipper Jones, all go. right. So legacy battles, top five third basements of the last 40 years, Wade Boggs, George Brett, Scott Rowland, Chipper Jones, Mike Schmidt. Let's move into our Q&A. We're going to uh, – let's see. Kevin got two. So, Kevin, you get the win tonight. We're going to go Kevin, Scott, Paul, Brian on the questions. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, so uh, in 1981, your last season with Baltimore, that was also Cal Ripken's first season in Baltimore. When he came in into the team, were you guys, like, excited? To, like, was the hype there? Did you guys think he was going to be what he had turned out to, to be in his career?
1: Well, first of all, Cal Sr. was my baseball dad, okay, in the minor leagues. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Cal, uh, when I played in AA, uh, every day when we were at home, he'd take ground balls and follow me around all the time. So I was very close with the family, so for me the excitement. I knew he was a third baseman, but I knew um, Earl Weaver wanted him to play shortstop, and I was traded. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but I was traded because they wanted Cal to play every day at third, but I wasn't really traded because of that. The story goes that uh, When I retired, I mean, when I got traded, Earl called me on uh, my phone at home. And we had one of the longest conversations ever for my nine and a half years playing for Earl. And he told me it was the first time in his managerial career that an owner came in and overruled his players that he was going to have on the field. Because he told them that Cal was going to be the shortstop. I was going to be the third baseman. Eddie Murray's the first baseman. And nobody's going to have that kind of defense and that kind of power for an infield in anywhere in the big leagues. And uh, 81, when I got traded, I was ahead of the American League. I was the American League rep through the 51-day strike. And um, I got traded because of that. And it was point blank. Um and I didn't care for that, but uh uh in the same token, um Cal was, you know, clearly a player that everybody knew. Yeah, I was the guy that replaced Brooks Robinson and got traded so Cal could play. How <laughs> is that that thin slice of baloney between the two purebreds? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Doug, um I am looking at your your seasons and your careers at in what it looks like is eighty two with California and 78 with Baltimore were probably your best two seasons would you would you agree and, and why if not what was your best season and why
1: um I would agree I think the um, seventy eight season was a unique season in a way because um Unfortunately, uh, my wife miscarried the first day of spring training, so I never went on the field. And I, and I had a son, so I had to wait. I'd take care of my son and wait for uh, and and my wife and fly back my mother-in-law. And By the time she got there, never, I missed the first four days of spring training. And this was the first day that Brooks Robinson wasn't in an Oriole uniform. And I had been on the team since starting in '73. I got sent back down in '74, even though I was led the team in hitting and second in RBIs and home runs through the teams all spring training. I still got sent down because they said I needed; they didn't want me sitting on the bench because Brooks. They were going to give Brooks one more shot. Came back the next year and I ended up doing the same thing again. That, you know, that part kind of hurt my career in numbers because I, I did that for the first couple of years. But in 78, I went out there on the very first ground ball I took, took a bad hop at third base and broke my nose. I was in the same hospital, had surgery that my wife was in. And so Eddie Murray was hitting the ball crazy, in, you know, when he, in spring training. So when I did come back after surgery and all that kind of stuff, Earl called me up and he said, you know, we lost Critch to free agency and he doesn't have a, a what he would consider a top-notch second baseman. So he asked me if I, you know, he just said, I want you to go over and play second base. We're going to let Eddie Murray have a shot at third. And I looked at him like, you've got to be shitting me, you know. I just spent how many years replacing Brooks the first year that he's not in uniform. Now I'm playing second base. Earl was telling me, Oh, you hit 20 home runs there, you make a million dollars every year. You know, and I'm kind of going, No, 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 I'm not doing it. But anyway, three games into the season, Eddie couldn't play third. He's taking balls off the shins and throwing errors and everything. So I went back to third. Then all of a sudden, we're trying to find another third baseman because we literally had nobody that could play second base uh, that was of any substance. So I was going second base, third base, shortstop, second base, third base, second—you know—sometimes three times in a game, and uh, uh, you know it, it made for a rough start. I got off to kind of a rough start that year. Because of all those things, and um, then Mr. Weaver and I had a very hard discussion in the dugout one time, and uh, so uh, I was put on I was put on the list of you know his shit list for for a little bit. But um, when I came back, is when I started that year, and where I just took off and. Uh, it was having to reprove myself all over again. And 78 was, you know, I was a uh, player of the month in July. I think I was runner up in August and September. And, but my overall best year, I think was after the trade, uh, my first year with the Angels. Um, because, uh, I came to a new team and, uh, with that, that was after the strike. And then Bob Boone got traded because he was a national league rep. So we were both teammates, but, uh, playing for a new manager and Gene Mock, the whole bit. But, um, I felt, uh, I felt like there was a weight that lifted off my shoulders a little bit when I got traded, um, not having to because, I, you know, I wasn't always the most re- re- uh, well received player. To the Oriole fans, uh, because you know I was I was the villain that took their favorite player's position, <laughs> and I recognized that, you know, and I knew all that was true. Um, and uh, but uh, I got it going, and defensively, in with the Angels, we were a spectacular defensive team in the infield, and every day was just seemed like a great time. And that team that I I played with great teams with the Orioles. I was very fortunate. The Orioles pitching staff and, you know, I mean, the lineup that we put out there, we were like really tight family and a really great uh, team. But I came over there and all of a sudden we got Carew at first base, Gritch at second. We had Foley and Burleson at shortstop. I was third. You had Boone behind the plate. We had Downing, Fred Lynn, Reggie Jackson with Baylor as the DH. I dare you to put that team on the field today. Because at that point, if you really think about who was out on the field, there was four MVPs that were on the field every day. That's pretty impressive. And, you know, I just – Felt good and didn't feel like I had to be the guy. And yet, as it turned out, um, things worked out that I was. And uh, uh, I just, so I would look at those numbers. I, I don't like to throw away 86. I had an injury for a little bit. I separated my shoulder and I felt like I came back the second half of the 86 season. And, and that was extremely rewarding for me as well.
2: Speaking of rewarding, <laughs> Doug, we're talking to somebody tonight who's an all-star, 1983. In 1979, you had a walk-off home run. And then you've also hit three home runs in a game. But you did it twice within five days. So I would ask you, any one of those is, if I, if I had done those, I'd be on like an endless loop in my mind. Those are like, any one of those scenarios is like a little leaguer's dream. So for me... Pick your favorite child here. <laughs>
4: what's okay.
2: what's well, the most, what's the, what's one thing if you could pick from those that you were like, that's what I'm proudest of. Well, they're all phenomenal. They really are. Think about it.
1: Well, you know, that, that Homer walk off started Oriole magic and it still exists today in, in the city of, of Baltimore. You know, when you hear that song and everything. So I was honored to do that. But, um, uh, Walking, I mean, hitting three home runs in a game twice in the You're same You're locked league. in,
2: man. You're uh, locked that in ball, ball looked like it.
1: That ball looked like a huge <laughs> grapefruit, yeah, you know, coming up to home plate, and you know, and, and uh, off with some pretty good pitchers too. But yeah. I ended up hitting ten in eight days, so that's probably the hottest I've ever been in my career. So that ranks up there. But clearly, clearly walking to home plate, my first at bat in the World Series. We had gotten uh, rained out of the opening night and then a cold front came in. We woke up the next morning. It wasn't raining because there was 14 inches of snow on the ground in Baltimore. The temperature when we started that game and if you guys from Pittsburgh, maybe you've seen the clips. I don't know. but, um, But was 28 degrees we started at eight o'clock eastern time because of the west coast and you could talk and it looked like your your voice got frozen out front of you every time it's extremely cold for baseball um but to what i had to step out of the batter's box twice because my stomach muscles i couldn't tell whether it was because i was cold or my stomach muscles were just jumping my whole body everything was just on edge, and uh, I ended up kept, you know getting ahead of Bruce Keeson, and he tried to bust one of his fastballs in, and I hit it about four-something into left field, and I was into the game at that point. I finally got into the game, but when I hit second base, and I think all of you might relate to this, I saw my childhood friends and everything at my front yard playing wiffle ball or up at the little league field playing over the line and we all step up there now batting in the world series you know doug descents I can't tell you how many times as a kid that I did that Mm -hmm. and to step up and hit that home run my first I don't remember touching third or home it just everything, my whole mind was going through my childhood and dream. And, I mean, I was just so grateful to get a chance to play in a world series, let alone anything. But to do that uh raps, you know, that's that's the number one. Number one,
2: do you hear this, Mike? He's so good, he took a choice that wasn't even in my list, and that's his favorite memory. <laughs> and you wouldn't put him on the best third baseman list. That's this is a crime. <laughs>
4: So, finishes <laughs> out, Brian. <laughs> it's a crazy. So, so Doug, Doug you, you mentioned a few of these guys already, but yeah, you played alongside some truly great players over the years. Like Brooks Robinson, Jim Palmer, Reggie Jackson, Dennis Martinez, Rod Carew, Eddie Murray. I go on and on. If you could choose one of your former teammates to build a team around, who would you choose? And, and who did you, like, get along with the best or, like, bond
1: the best? How fast one? do you want me to answer this? <laughs>
2: Why are you just going to say Jim Palmer? (laughs) Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray? Okay. Eddie
1: Murray was, and he and I are still very close today. Matter of fact, uh, I was up in Cooperstown this past, uh, uh, you know, two weeks ago. My grandson was up there playing in that Cooperstown baseball team, and I went and had dinner with Eddie and Cal and, Ozzie Smith and a couple other guys, uh, Griffey and, and Larry Walker. And um, uh, Eddie Murray, to me, was probably the best clutch hitter that I ever played with and definitely against um, 19 career grand slams. 19, okay. What does he rank? Second or third, or something like that. Um I remember uh, 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 seeing Eddie in his first at bat against Nolan Ryan, and, you know, uh, Nolan's got the eye black on, you know, the whole bit, the intimidating factor. And uh, Eddie's first, Eddie's hitting right in front of me. Eddie's hitting fifth, I'm hitting sixth. And um, I think Reggie, uh, I think Reggie, no, was it Reggie? No, it wasn't Reggie, maybe it was Lee May hitting fourth. But, um, Uh, he swung through a fastball first pitch, just missed, fouled it straight back. And Eddie's a rookie. And Nolan comes down and gets the ball, walks a few more feet forward, rubbing the ball with his hands, staring at Eddie. Eddie never blinked. He just stared back at him. Next pitch, he knocked Eddie down right at chin music. Oh, wow. Next pitch went off the right field wall for a double. Okay. Comes up the next time he's leading off the setting. The next time No one gets the ball, he's standing at home plate watching Eddie walk walk up to home plate. Very first pitch again, chin music again. Two pitches later, Eddie hit a curveball right by Nolan's head for a base hit, and it was a freaking rocket. From that point on, I said he was something special. And to play with him and see the RBIs, the control hitter that he was, and and, and to be able to turn and do things from both sides of the plate, um, just – you know what? Didn't strike out that much, but when there was an RBI position, he he was easily hitting a base hit to left field if he's hitting uh, left-handed or go the other way, do whatever he had to do to win. Uh, I remember a game. Now I'm traded. We're playing. I'm, uh, we're playing the Orioles uh, in Anaheim, and I'm with the Angels at this time. And this is when Cal was hitting, and Cal was really hitting well. Okay, hitting great. Cal was hitting great, and uh, Cal came up with a runner on second and third, uh, and uh, with uh, two outs. And basically, he said the pitching coach came and he goes, "Look, um, uh, you know, pitcher. If you have to pitch around Cal, pitch around Cal." You maybe you know, you got a better chance right now. We decided to go with you know go against Eddie. I'm on the mound arguing and going, you cannot do that. Do not do that. And I lost the battle. They pitched around him, walked him. Two pitches later, the ball went in Anaheim, went off the facing in right field, the facing behind the bullpen which was faced directly so the pitcher was back and throw the 66, 60 feet, six inches, you know, and have had everybody see. So it was a, that facing was 25 feet in the air and a good 90 feet over the fence. Wow. And I, he's rounding third because he's coming to third. I I just sit there and I walked up and I said, he's going by me. I told him not to walk, Rip, can they get to you. And he goes, they didn't listen. As he went by me, he goes, you know, and he made the turn. He looked at me and he said, they didn't listen. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Murray never took an at bat off either. Okay, so broad uh, Carew, a magician with the bat, phenomenal. Reggie Jackson had great effect for the – how would I say this? I mean, his power and everything that he had. But he had great effect to rise to the TV games better than any player I ever played with. I mean, he could switch it off and switch it on better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, you know, Palmer was as good as they get. You know, he deserves everything that he that he has wasn't the easiest teammate to be with at times. Um, and, of course, Brooks is Brooks. But Brooks wasn't Eddie at home plate. and Reggie wasn't Eddie at home plate. And I don't know. That's my answer, and I'm, I, I'm solid with
0: it. Well, we want to thank you, Doug, for joining us tonight. We, we appreciate that. It's an honor to have you on.
1: OK. My pleasure. I want to remind player. And oh, don't worry my feel hey with that list of players, don't worry, my feelings aren't hurt. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't think any of them no have three two, three home run games. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I want to remind everybody hit that subscribe button whatever you're listening on. We'll see you next time. Everyone have a great night.